All right, welcome back to another episode of the Swing Hard Podcast. Today, I'm with my Vice President of Food and Beverage, Misha Davison. Misha, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I don't know if this is going to be more painful over the next 30 minutes for me or for you. Maybe you. but None of it will be usable, so what's the difference? <laughs> we'll just do it for academia, pretend. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, Misha, um, food and beverage uh, is something that is a big focus for us in our business. Um, you know, it's very forward customer facing for our members and our guests, but I think it's something that we could dive into and help people understand the nuances of food and beverage in the golf industry, as opposed to maybe just regular hospitality and food and beverage. Uh, but first of all, can you tell us just a little bit about your background and, and how you've been working with us for a number of years now, and just give us a little bit of uh, history. I've worked in food and beverage at private golf clubs and public golf clubs for 20 years across Canada. 20 years. And I know I look young. <laughs> we know differently. And behave accordingly. <laughs> we know differently. Um, and w- where were those some of the, across the country? But what, what were some of those different uh, clubs that you were at? Uh, Ontario Maple Downs was uh, probably the big one. Uh, awesome private club in GTA. Uh, I was in Halifax and I was in PEI uh, and then kind of set up in Calgary. And that's been, you've been in Calgary how long now? 10 years? 10 years, yeah. It's been a while. Good. And I've been with you for, I don't know, five painful years-ish? <laughs> see, I, see, I said it was going to be more painful for you than me, but let's see if we can have a little bit of fun anyway. I think it's equally painful. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so what are some of the things you enjoy about the food and beverage business? Uh, as corny as it sounds, I'd say people. Yeah. Um, you come across a lot of awesome people, especially with private um, aspects of it. You you see people every day. It's like a family and you can goof around and, right. you know, obviously there's a time to work, but you get to know people, you know, their, their kids, they get to know you and what you're about. Um, so that the aspect of working in private is, is awesome. And that really is pretty similar to all aspects of the business. It really comes down to the people, the people we work with, our team, the great members, guests. I mean, it's a lot of fun. For sure. And I mean, windmill in general always, has, you know, it retains staff, whether it's from the top or the bottom, right? You know, it's the same general managers that have been everywhere for as long as I've been at the clubs and it's because everyone wants to stick around, you know, the, the pros in general are there for the long haul. And then even, you know, the, you know, whether it's chefs or day-to-day staff, um, you know, we've had people at our servers, whether they're students or not, but they come back for, for four years and, you know, you obviously get to know them, get to, they bring their families around and right. see them grow or not grow hanging out with me. Right. <laughs> when it is. Uh, but it is, yeah, for sure. The people. And it's a rewarding part of the business too. seeing some of these. I mean, you know, I, I'm thinking about somebody, I was talking to one of our other VPs the other day and, you know, we were talking about some of our outside service. Um, you know, I call them kids because they're, you know, less than half my age, but they are, they come to us as kids. A lot of times as their, you know, first job in many regards. And to see these, these people progress right over one year, two, three, four, and then they'll go away to college. You know, we might start having them work with us when they're, you know, 15, 16 years old. Oh, hell and, yeah. Like Kyla was at Hamptons when she was right. 15 or 16. And, you know, four years later, she's running events at Bears Pop. Exactly. Us, right? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it is. And, it's a, and it's, that to me is a rewarding part of what we do. You know, realizing that a lot of these people won't, you know, 
be with us forever, but seeing the progression in, in their you know early part of their career and their life is is really interesting. And a lot of them come back. I mean, there right. was uh, there was uh, <clears throat> a wedding this year at, at Bears Pod that worked for Sam for four years at Hamptons. Yeah, and engaged six years later, and they come to us because that's where they want to have their wedding. I remember that. Yeah. Still I, in the family. I, I ran into the bride when she came uh, for a little bit of a tour to, to see what the building was like. So that's great. Let, let's dive a little bit into some of the nuances of the food and beverage hospitality side, specific to the golf business. I want to first talk about events. Um, it's a little bit different than typical events with, uh, call it a a restaurant or some other type of hospitality. Tell us about specifically golf events and and how the hospitality, food and beverage components of that can be a little bit different. It's a total different ballgame in terms of everything. The <clears throat> I mean, restaurants. We do a hundred weddings and a hundred tournaments in a year. Right, right. That's that's insane. Um, I mean, there's the two aspects of the seasonality of restaurants that were never open during the winter, but we've change that and then we're still trying to change that yeah still working on it yeah um where you know the hamptons a few years ago closed when the golf season closed and now we're open every friday for 11 months of the year right uh bears paw were 11 and a half months because we wanted to keep it full year round in terms of the events um you know when you have 100 weddings and you can spread it across the calendar it helps you stay alive in in the off season months. And I mean, helps us retain some of those great people too. A hundred percent. Yeah, um, and it keeps your members engaged, right? Where right. a lot of the time it's like this is your summer social life, and then you shut down for four or five months, whether you're in the country or out of the country. But you just have a different set it and forget it schedule. Right. Where if you can keep doing member events on Fridays, which we've done, you know, at Bears Pond with live music and keeping people wanting to come here. That that kind of populates your business on a on a Friday night, and then you have your Saturday nights for events, um, and you try to pack that as, as best as you can. As I said, when you have a hundred weddings, there's only so many you can do during the week during the season. For sure, yeah. Where you 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 pack the off season, and you know your wedding season, you want to try to grow outside of the months of the summer up until the fall, and then you want your winter, your Christmas or holiday party to grow outside of December towards the fall or right. even into January, which yep. happens. So the, the amount of events that we do has helped us, you know, populate the rest of our calendar. Right. Um, and then in terms of golf events, uh, anything where you can get golf attached with food and beverage helps the business. And it, it's just great exposure because you've got people that are golfing in golf tournaments that might not necessarily come to your property. So not only is it good exposure for the golf course where they're going to want to come back and play, then they come in and see what we have to offer in terms of food and beverage and quality of food and atmosphere where they think, hey, this is where I want to bring my date or my family or or my buddies um, as a place to, to hang out. So let's dig into, let's stick with weddings for a second because I've got some questions about that that I think, you know, be interesting to dive into. And then we'll talk about golf events and probably just general food and beverage, uh, you know, hospitality as well. I coincidentally was just at two of my nephews getting married within the last month. And so, you know, kind of reinvigorated some of those, you know, feelings I had when I got married or some of the other weddings I've been to. Did you speak at the weddings? Um, maybe, maybe I spoke <laughs> at one of them in particular, but what, what, like MC, maybe <laughs> went okay. Actually, you know, actually, it actually, there might actually be some footage floating around on that. We'll have Actually to go to the bottom of the vault with the rest of this one. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> okay. But, um, you know, that day, in particular for 
a wedding is, you know, probably the most important day of those two individuals' lives, especially up until that point where they're getting married. Um, and so what's also the most expensive party they're ever going to throw for sure. For sure it is. But what are things that we do as an organization that you do, your team does to really hone in on the organization of it, the logistics, give people that are maybe watching or listening to this, some perspective on the level of detail that we go through in order to make that the best day we can for those people. I guess there's two different perspectives from the perspective of staff for us, it's communication. Everything we do is, is, we have uh, event sheets that go to every department, right? Because when we do weddings, it goes beyond food and beverage. It definitely goes beyond beyond the building a lot of times, for sure. Yeah, right. So you know, the head pro needs to know, the grounds crew needs to know, because we've got ceremonies that are on the tenth tee or yep. potentially on a, on close to a hole. Um, we don't want to disrupt golf, but if we can offer you know scenic backgrounds for our ceremonies, like why not capitalize on that that beauty for them? Um, so communication in terms of events, big time, especially the way we operate is we customize a lot more than most people do. And I guess that kind of goes towards the, the, you know, the perspective of a bride, when a bride goes through a building, um, most catering operations say, here's our catering package. This is what you get. These are our rules and, and this is what it is. Right. Um, you know, I kind of growing up in selling weddings in Toronto, it was very, this is what we can do and we're going to do this and we can open the doors and the food's going to be great. And it was kind of a lot of fluff where now we, we tour brides and we say, Hey, look, this try is to the, customize as much as we can for them. This is the building. You're not, we have the nicest clubhouses around like right. bears paws, the new shiny toy Hamptons is, you know, still bears, a great building and oh, it, it's something out of Aladdin. Like it's right. the poshest, nice, most grand entrance. They're not hard buildings to sell at all. So, you know, it's, it's very easy to say, Hey, look, this is the building. This is our package. If you like our food options, great. Yeah. If you don't throw it out, yeah. tell us what you, what you want to eat. Tell us what you want to spend. If you want lobster for $20, it's probably not going to happen. Right. Um, but we'll be honest. We'll say, okay, if you want to, you know, substitute this meat for that meat or this, like super salad, like this is your wedding. Let's do this the way you want to. And the other thing that I say is I'm like, if you know, if you have a, a Polish grandma, like let's throw pierogies on the menu sure. like, like as a late night table, like yep. have a signature so that it's, it's something that people are going to remember. Right. Oh, that wedding was great. Yeah. The building was cool, but they did this because, you know, something that that's customizable and, and is memorable for, you know, a cultural background for someone in the family. Totally agree. So two things that I think, you know, I'm hearing, which I agree with you. And number one, I, well, I you're think agreeing with me. Well, a, li- a little bit, just a little bit, right. just a little bit. All right. Uh, and first of all, I think our reviews generally for weddings are, are really good. So kudos to you and the team for that, but communication, super important. Uh, and the fact that we'll customize things and we can we can really reach out beyond the expertise of an individual facility. Um, you know, like you said, if somebody wants pierogies, maybe we have a chef somewhere else that has experience with that. And so we can, we can talk to different teams and really leverage those expertise for sure. And we do because of the diversity of our, right. our, our kitchen squads that, yeah. I mean, each kitchen can be 20 deep. Right. Yeah. And I mean, at Hamptons, it's hilarious because it's, it's got the best background of Asian chefs I've ever seen. Right. There's Japanese, there's Chinese, there's Filipino, like the it's rock amazing. stars. Yeah. And, you know, we had an Indian wedding at Hamptons this year where it was a, it, our chefs can cook Indian, but when it gets to like, some uh, of the specific legit, dishes, right. Oh, there's different spices. Like right. it's, it's no joke. Yeah. Um, but then we we poached 
some of the Indian chefs from Bear's Paw and said, come come show us how it's done, boys. Yeah. And they come in and we're all a team, so let's do it together. Like rock stars. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's let's dive into a little bit of just just briefly golf events because there's so many other things that happen with, you know, a, a shotgun tournament goes off. Let's say it's 144 people. They're scheduled to go off at 8 a.m., but we have a frost delay and they don't go until 9.15. Should I take this? Don't take it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's a wedding and you want to book it, then we can we can wait. Yeah, we can use sure. that footage to sell more. <laughs> exactly. This is how important it is to us. Yeah. Uh, tournaments are very complex. Right. Because everybody has to know, and there's so much changing throughout the course of a tournament, it's and, especially as it relates to the food and beverage. And there's, I mean, I, I'm lucky enough where I do get to sell a lot of golf tournaments because they are relative to food and beverage and, yeah. you know, big corporate events. But there's... You know, with weddings, for the most part, it's we communicate with the other departments, but it's it's the food and beverage manager and the chef that execute. When it's a tournament, it's every single employee is is dialed in, right? And it it starts with you know arrival time of the host, and it goes to okay on hole one, four, nine, eleven, and thirteen. We need. Drink holes. We need or, seven tents. We need yep. uh, uh, an eight-foot table at each. We need to have two fold-up chairs. You know, when do those chairs go out? Do they go out the night before? Bins of beer and ice out there. But we can't put it out the night before because we have to be able to mow so that the course is in and the irrigation going the night yeah, before. Yeah, and we can't let water right. get all over the linens. So it is. Uh, there's a weekly meeting that exists at, at every course to, to dial down and go through all of these steps one by one. I mean, especially like look at Heritage. Heritage has 27 holes, and those tournaments can get up to. Well, it's you know it's supposed to be two twelve. We can do more. We've done more, right? I know, but Dave yeah. gets mad at me whenever I book more than that. Uh, <laughs> I think we did a couple over 225 or 230 this year. Uh, but they're huge tournaments, so everybody right. needs to know. And again, it's it's you can't bring certain things out because you need to let the grounds crew do their thing, and they can't go out too early because then it's not fair to them to make the course set up the way you want it to. Yeah, you know they might have to move tee boxes because for hole insurance, hole in one insurances, you can't use your normal tee box. Be 160 yards exactly. Or, yeah. Um, yeah, and then you have to make sure someone's lasering it so right. that because sometimes they do the boxes before they cut the pin. Right. So then they can move the boxes and then they cut the pin. Then it's not 160, and then you so there's exactly there's a lot that gets involved, and then a lot of it too is you know communicating with marshals because right. when you've got 144 people that are going to come in for dinner whether it's steaks or prime rib the chef's got to have a heads up or a window of you know well, when are they coming off the course exactly yeah. or else you're overcooking you things, things or nothing's or ready down or and it's tricky because when you're doing a shotgun one group can have seven holes left and another can have three right, right? it just depends on the flow or the, the skill level of the group because sometimes you've got a bunch of rock stars that are playing a scramble and they could do it in no time and then yeah. you have people in a tournament that are just not familiar golfers well and like you said i think one of the keys with these tournaments there's so much food and beverage that often happens out on the course but the amount of time we actually have to execute like if we have an 8 a.m shotgun like we've, you know, we have people out there starting probably six o'clock, but in two hour window there in order to be fully set up with all these tents and all of the logistical things that happen and all the mistakes that can happen along the way, it really is quite impressive what, what the team is able to accomplish. And on top of that, you've got all these, you usually have a tournament coordinator, but when you get to some of these bigger, especially a lot of tournaments or charities, you get a lot right. of volunteers. Yeah. So you've got people that you've never met before coming up to your employees that 
don't know who's in charge and they're asking for things that aren't on the sheet that the host never told us about the dead volunteer ones. Right. And you're just like, <laughs> Oh, we actually need three more tables out on these holes yeah. now. And Oh, no problem. And, and some of these tournaments are so big where the night before we've got, you know, Sammy here or, or Paul, you know, Sam's running to go get more, whatever it is, whether it's, tables or tents right or kp markers and paul's running to get linens from hamptons because there's so many tables out on the course yeah. or the registration tables so big and those are things you can't miss the day of you've got to be prepared the day before because if if they're coming that morning we've got to be ready for that we've it's, got to think ahead especially sure. morning ones because your window runs out quickly where there's you know you've got to say hey, you got to make sure your your people are at carts 15 minutes before actual Tee off time because right. if, if it's a nine o'clock shotgun and you're not leaving till nine o'clock, then you're not teeing off till nine fifteen. It pushes everything back. Not alone, not only the food, but then it pushes back your tee sheet for whatever has to exist after that tournament. Right. Right. Okay, I'm gonna um, stay with food and beverage. Obviously, that's what we're talking about here today. But I want to talk about just general food and beverage in the clubhouse, and I want to first talk about menus and how we design menus because. In our everyday, you know, we've talked a lot about events now, both weddings, golf events, and there's lots of other types of events that we we host as well. But every day we open as, you know, food and beverage in the, the restaurant area, depending on what club we have, we have different facilities that have different, um, um, you know, food and beverage offerings. But tell me about menus. How do we, how do we focus on menus because there's a seasonality component to it. We're really busy for six months of the year and then we're kind of really slow six months a year and we're trying to work on that so we can generate, you know, more year round business. But during that core golf season, how do you think about menus and what does your, you and your team do in order to create the right offering, but with, you know, focusing on some of those margins and food cost types components that are obviously important from a business perspective. Golf courses are different. I mean, restaurants right. have a menu, whether it's corporate or written internally, that last for months. Um, or sometimes even years. Like yeah. some of my favorite restaurants I go back to and I'm like, oh, I've had that like six years ago, still on the menu. What was the picture of that restaurant I sent you with the milkshakes the other day and you were like, holy. Yes. What was it? The, uh, Peter's? Yeah. Yes. And you yeah. thrilled. It's the, it's been I, the same. They it's changed been the same their menu since 62. I don't think they ever have. Um, but we, we don't have, I mean, certainly there's things that stay on our menus, but we're constantly evolving every year yeah. at minimum. So golf courses have staples, right? Everybody right. wants to have a club and a burger and a steak Nachos. sandwich and a nacho and a wing, right? There's just, right. that's just golf course. You know, we've tried in the past to, to get away from it, to be unique, but there are staples that you shouldn't fight. Those right. are just no brainers. Put them on the menu. And there's a few more obviously as well. Uh, and it's always, I always find it really interesting when we actually do velocity reports, like, you know, a month into the season or even after the season, it's like 10 to 15 of your items are 80% of your sales. Oh, by far. It's just, it's mind boggling actually. And that's the 20% is what you change. Cause you want to, right. you want to have a spring menu, you want to have a mid season menu, and then you want to have a, a fall menu. And the reason why is cause I mean, especially your fall one, you're going to go down in produce because you're not as pop, you're not as, your traffic isn't as, as frequent. Um, golf courses are also unique because especially in the private game, you've got the same people that could be in your clubhouse five times a week. Right. So not only do you have to change it a few times in six months, which goes with everything from replanning your line and training your staff. It also goes to changing all of your point of sale buttons um, and tracking everything properly so that it's, you know, for your own numbers as well as communicating to the kitchen. Um, 
you've got weekly menus so that even the people that are frequently, you know, that many times a week, like specials, well, you're gonna have a daily special, you're gonna have weekly specials. And on top of that, you're going to have, you know, at, at our, at our private facilities, we do a ladies day and a men's day for leagues. So the ladies are going to want something typically light, whether it's, you know, fish, chicken, salad. Right. Um, And then the men are typically going to want, you know, whether it's beef and potatoes, but we try to switch it up with some, you know, try to be sushi and and create some variety. Exactly. Yeah. Um, But that's a a whole other menu that you're writing every Tuesday. That's a whole other menu that you're writing every Thursday uh, on top of the weekly specials, on top of the daily specials. And then on top of that, we do Friday night buffets where we try to discount our, our, our product in general. I mean, you know, normally our, our, a prime rib for a catered event can be, you know, $60 and that's well priced compared to most people. Right. Um, where we try to discount it for our members to, to have a member night on Friday. So that, then we're writing a whole other menu on Fridays where we can get a couple hundred people. Well, and I think one of the things what, that goes into the menu creation uh, that a lot of other food and beverage hospitality don't have is we have you know, hundreds if not thousands of members um, that they have opinions and we try to respect those opinions and you know provide I've enough. never heard a member provide their opinion about the pricing <laughs> or the quality of food. Well, not even that. It's just the variety, right? Like you said, some of them can be in here three, four, five, six times a week. And yeah, I understand. I mean, they'd want some variety. I mean, as much as you and I might go to, you know, one of our favorite restaurants once a month or, you know, six times a year and order that item. Well, you don't eat that item you know, three times a week, every day. So we understand that. And that's why some of this variety and what you're referring to in the menu creation, we've got to continually evolve. And it's, I mean, you know, most mm-hmm. restaurants might order 150 SKUs where right. we can't survive by doing that because we need to be creative. So there's that aspect of it. And then there's also the component that it is cool for our chefs that they get to be creative. Right. Right. And you asked about who creates the menus. I mean, you know, I'll write some wedding packages, um, and we, we'll do it as a team. So we'll do it with the chefs right. for each different location. But every single week, every chef is, is writing four fresh menus. And one, it's creative and fun. But two, it's also like, oh, me, again, I need four menus right. Monday. Right. Like, thanks. We and just it, had and we're we not had four creating, tournaments last week right. and two weddings. We're and not creating full new menus. But, but again, allowing them to be somewhat creative. The, I mean... Make no mistake about it. These chefs are artists to a great degree. I mean, they really are. They, there's a sense of artistry to what they do and, and their creative juices get flowing. And, you know, it's you quite ever, amazing. You ever seen a plate that you eat at Heritage more than I do, but Heather yeah. is the best at plating right. I've ever seen, right? Yeah, she's you awesome. Know, Jose's young and trendy and he uses ingredients that no one else would use, right? Yeah. When it comes to being an artist. So, yeah, I mean, Dennis customizes a menu because I'll, you know, I throw curveballs at him where I'll be like, something happened, this person lost their venue, we were doing a wedding in two days. Make it happen. <laughs> um, Wait so, a minute, so I can throw a curveball and, and... Oh, because you've book, never thrown a curveball at Book a wedding before. for you a couple days out and you're going to execute it for us. <laughs> I remember one time, I think it was two years ago, you messaged oh, me no. on a Sunday night and you said, uh, no, I think it was Monday. You said, hey, Mish, by the way, we got... Uh, the opportunity to operate Bears Paw uh, this season. Oh, right. we're open on Friday. Right, that was a f- few years back. So but. you gave us f- four days' notice without a single employee to open a food and beverage. We did. Op- it. Yeah, we did. We did it. So that's a f- curveball. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> curveball, but but 
it was fun and enjoyable and that was a great learning experience. It was too. a great learning experience. Yeah. And it was, you know, the, we put out the, the notice the next day and said, hiring all positions, every single person that walked through the door, we hired because we didn't have an option. Right. And we were lucky enough where we found a chef and, um, he was very qualified. And I said, when can you start? And he said, two weeks. And I said, job's yours if you start tomorrow. That's, that's the only thing I can tell you. Uh, he did it too. He did. Yeah. And uh, we ordered quickly. And, and that was the thing. You just have to manage expectations. Right. So we opened in four days. And on the first day of operations, we had a snack shop that had, you know, hot dogs and chips and chocolate bars. And, you know, our, our restaurant had chicken fingers and fries and burgers yep. and a club and, you know, fish and chips and a salad and a soup. And we started with... 10 items on day one and you know by day seven we were up to 16 items right, right? so right. it was just uh do what you can do quickly and execute properly and then grow from there right two more things i want to talk about uh, before we wrap up this episode this uh, of the podcast the um, painful episode the painful episode yeah it's been painful <laughs> um the first is let's talk you know we've been talking a lot about the nuances of the business and you know some of the things that we do that might be a little bit different. Tell me a little bit about the actual business side, like maybe a little bit about the margin and how our margin may, you know, suffer a little bit compared to general food and beverage businesses, not specifics, but just in general, what some of the, what some of that looks like. Well, I mean, the majority of restaurants go down in two years within the first two years, right? I mean, that's the business and it is because the margins are so small, Uh, especially in today's temperature. I mean, during COVID, uh, it's guessed that about 15,000 uh, restaurants will go under in Canada uh, for independent properties. And it's because the margins are sm- so small. And if you're going to control the amount of traffic you get, then, you know, right. something's got to give. Right. Um, for us, we were very fortunate in the fact that golf boomed because it was one of the only things that, that could survive. Yeah. But it was definitely massively difficult. I mean, uh, at Hamptons alone, the first year of COVID, we lost uh, 26 weddings. Right. Right. And you got to think, and those, doll- are big, those are huge. Those I mean, are that's, that's almost us. half yeah. of a million dollars in sales. Right. right? So right. it, it, it's, it, it's very difficult. Yeah. Um, margins are small and every time that there should be a price increase, you've got people that say they, they balk at it. Right. Right, because there's somewhere else that's doing it for less, but it's either because they've got more traffic and they can afford to do that, or it's because it's a lost leader so that they can sell other <clears throat> well, things on their menu. And, and some of the things that you know we are challenged with at times is we are we will be open or we are open at times when a typical restaurant or food and beverage um, facility wouldn't be open. Like if we open for breakfast, uh, you know, at certain days of the week, we might only serve six breakfasts, but we've got to have servers here. We've got to have people in the kitchen, we've got to, you know, open the doors. I mean, it's totally a lost leader for us, right? And we, I mean, the majority of food and beverage operations like golf courses lose money. Right. Um, you know, I was, there's a... Or break even, a lot of them break even, but... I was looking at one with Gord today that lost a quarter of a million dollars last year, a private club in Calgary. Yeah. In food and beverage alone. Doesn't surprise me. Uh, and it's because you have to have bodies in multiple places. You have to have someone in a snack shop. You have to have someone on a cart. You have right. to have someone in a restaurant. You have to have someone cooking. You have to have... There's just bodies. Well, and, and, and we deal with weather challenges. Like you oh. schedule those people... And then all of a sudden weather rolls in and, you know, you had 220 people coming to the golf course that day and it's now down to 60. And a food right? and beverage manager's job is very difficult in the season because they don't have the luxury of not looking at their phone 
on their days off. Right. Because if rain's coming in, they have to communicate to all their staff, come in late, don't come in, do like, there's just so, there's so much juggling involved with the schedule at a golf course. Yeah, no question. Okay. Last thing I wanted to, to ask you is the single biggest challenge in this, this side of the business and food and beverage. Working with you. <laughs> Besides that, that was a given. Um, I mean, you've been with me for a while, so it hasn't been all bad, but yeah, maybe, maybe the worst part of it. In terms of challenges, it, it, it is, it's, it's, it's difficult to, you know, going back to margins and pricing, you know, it's, it's somebody can find something elsewhere and say, well, how do you charge this or how do you charge this? But there's right. just different, you know, ripple effects to the business where, you know, freight goes up by three times in the last month. Yeah. You know, how do you just go and say, okay, you that know, change item every that was $18 price, is now 21. Yeah. Right. Um, so those challenges are tricky and, you know, it's, it, all in all, I love our, our properties because we do have a great culture. We do have a great staff where there are places that people want to come. Yeah. And for the most part, it's, it's so rewarding because everyone's very appreciative and they just, they're, they're, they're grateful for the operation that we've, we've set up, whether it's, you know, members, big time returning customers, um, weddings is huge. You right. know, like you see a groom that you haven't seen in eight years and they're like, our wedding was the best. You know, right. we still, we still get compliment. Like that's so rewarding. Um, but challenging aspects are definitely that, you know, someone's seen a price somewhere else or says, you know, like it, it so, so would it be fair to say that maybe the, what you, what you're suggesting is just managing expectations, whether it's managing expectations that I have because I'm that's you know, impossible of course uh, because from a business standpoint or all of our members and guests right because they don't want to see a menu one week where it's an $18 and then we've had price increases and all of a sudden it needs to be $20 yeah and I mean it's almost like a culturally everyone's a foodie like right. everyone eats right. out a lot and Every, it's getting more and more like oh that. my everything whether right. it's through social media right. or television it's just everybody knows so much about food yeah whether it's the pricing attached or whether it's you know the quality or you know the flavors um everyone's a bit of a savant so right. it the, in terms of the challenges like yeah you can you have to you have to take the heat and sometimes you get battered for something that maybe not that bad but is part of the manage the right? expectations and, and uh, do everything we can. Mm -hmm. Well, you did okay. Maybe I'll invite you back again. I doubt it. Yeah, probably not. Is that? Hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode of the Swing Hard Podcast. Misha, thanks for coming again. Hopefully it was insightful as well. Food and beverage is definitely a part of the business that is ever evolving, but something we are trying to do a better job with all the time. We'll see you on the next episode.